All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Hey, guys, on the line, I've got Peter Lee, China Hand, Mr. Uh, SpaghettiO Hero, Franco-American on, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, a hilarious follow and an expert on China issues. And uh, he keeps chinamatters.blogspot.com. Is that a thing? Blogspot.com is still a thing? Not really, no. no. I'm mainly Mr. Patreon now. Peter yeah, Lee's that's what I was going to say. Report. Yeah, this is, oh, this goes back to 2019. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> because this is still the link in your bio on Twitter. You got to update that. But no, Ooh. you got to, yeah, you're on Patreon is where you do your great uh, essays and spoken word things that people can subscribe to. Ain't that right? That is correct. Yeah, very good. Okay, well, I'm behind on all that. But man, what happened was I saw where... You were conversating with some other guy on the Twitter yesterday about how they're putting a bunch of special forces in on Kinmen Island, which sure looks like it's part of China on my map. But then if I read your conversating right, you were saying to this guy, yeah, it used to be only this small amount of people and now they're increasing it or just kind of something along those lines. So that raised the idea to me that, wow, we've had forces there maybe for some time and maybe going all the way back. I don't know, but I bet there's a long and complicated and weird history. But we're not talking about Taiwan 90 miles away. We're talking about, I mean, not even Catalina Island. We're talking about, it looks like an island in the bay there. So mm -hmm. please fill us all the way in on what in the hell is going on over there and are... Is Joe Biden about to let a war with China ruin the regional war against the Shiites and Iran and our nuclear war with Russia that we've got scheduled here, Peter, or what? Well, we've always said we can fight multiple wars at once. Maybe we'll get the chance. Yeah. But um, North you know, Korea's yeah, got nukes. Right. We could take them on too, maybe. Sure. Why not? So Jinmen, as uh, as people like to call the island in Mandarin or Golden Gate, is yeah, actually just a little island in the bay off of uh, the coast of Fujian in China. And... Uh, it was uh, held by the KMT as a frontline bastion uh, when they withdrew to Taiwan and was supported by the United States. And at one time they had like 90,000 troops uh, stationed on Jinmen and Mazu when they still had the idea that they would invade the mainland and uh, the KMT, uh, the rulers of Taiwan, would reclaim the mainland. Now that's no longer the case, but um, the, they still keep those islands. And... Uh, I was kind of uh, interested that. Uh, and how many know, islands is it? It's, you know, there's just one there and there's one at Mazu. And uh, they're talking about putting special forces also on uh, a group of islands called Penghu or the Pescadors, which are actually closer to Taiwan. But um, the uh, the interesting thing was that uh, this stuff's been going on uh, for a while, as you, as you pointed out. In fact, uh, in 2020, it was announced that the, the Green Berets were training the same unit of the uh, of the uh, Taiwan Special Forces, an outfit called the Sea Dragons. And uh, at that time, the news was released 
by the Pentagon, sort of obliquely. They put out a video, and you could tell that the, the video was, you know, of uh, uh, Republic of China soldiers, Republic of China helicopters, that sort of thing. But uh, this time, the news came out of uh, Taiwan. It was uh, it came out in a uh, in a bunch of uh, local uh, uh, media outlets out there, and that's what I think the story is because. Uh, there's a new president in town, and uh, he's uh, he only won with 40% of the vote, you know, for the uh, uh, for the DPP, which is the pro-U.S. anti-China gang over there, and uh, it's time for him to show that he's Mr. Tough Guy, and also Uncle Sam has its back, has his back, and I think that's why this whole thing came out at this particular time. I don't think it's anything particularly dramatic. Sorry to downplay it. It's been going on for a while, but. Uh, the new president need, needed a, a shot of public relations uh, juice, and that's why the news was uh, put out through the uh, Taiwanese media. Mm -hmm. But how much of a provocation is this seen as from the mainland Chinese point of view there? Uh, you know, um, uh, I don't think the mainland really gives a darn. They're going to uh, complain about it, but uh, like I said, it's been going on for a while. It's been announced uh, in previous years. And you're saying the yeah. Reds have never controlled this since the Civil War. It's always been under the control of America and its allies. That's right. It was shelled continuously for year, for months in uh, during the first uh, Kinmon Mazu crisis, uh, which was when uh, the Chinese were seriously thinking about uh, you know trying to invade Taiwan but that was that went to hell but um, the interesting uh, there's a funny sidelight to this you know um, Okinawa is not particularly enthusiastic about serving as a frontline anti-china outpost and uh, apparently the same thing is true on Kinmen uh, Jinmen the uh, it's a t major tourist destination for mainland Chinese the mainland uh, China pumps water through a pipeline for the people on Jinmen. And there were some politicians on Jinmen who were talking about building a literal bridge to the mainland and declaring the island as a peace zone. Well, you know, by uh, putting this out and uh, stating that, uh, you know, the uh, intention of the Taiwan government is to further militarize these islands, you can sort of see that as suppressing uh, that particular kind of uh, peacenik idea that's burbling on, uh, on uh, Jinmen. Okay, so... The American empire is just so busted and it's run by an insane, senile old kook who is like, frankly, the perfect personification of the empire itself, it seems to me right now. And so all the China hawks think that China's going to move on Taiwan maybe very soon. Now, maybe they always think that, but maybe they're right this time. What do you think? Well, well in my opinion, if the mad red emperor she really wanted to invade taiwan now would be the time i mean the u.s is overstretched and distracted by its ops in ukraine in the middle east and uh, you know uh, the uh, the leadership uh, cadre in uh, washington is really not in that great shape so you know now would be go time if they really had a serious intention of uh, starting a taiwan war but i've never felt that they want to they want to do that under the current circumstances you know it would be the largest amphibious invasion in history you know and uh, you know, Indo-PACOM is sort of licking its chops at the idea of sending uh, submarines and planes out there to sink the invasion fleet. So that's not going to happen. And I don't think the blockade that really what the United States really worries about 
that's a blockade of China. I don't think that's going to happen right now either. So, um, you know, the uh, Taiwan is uh, the Taiwan invasion thing, I think, is mainly hyped in order to justify the uh, immense buildup of uh, military forces, not just in the in of Indo-PACOM, which is Indo-Pacific Command, which runs that part of the world for the U.S. military, but also in Japan and in the Philippines and Taiwan itself. Yeah. Now, um, on the other hand, um, Lyle Goldstein, who is not a hawk and says, man, we need to understand that we cannot fight this war and just forget it. He's saying he thinks they're going to attack. And I've talked to him before and I'm going to talk to him next week. And I don't know, he puts a real timetable on it, but he, you know, he weighs the political, you know, uh, you know, different uh, incentives back and forth. Who's having which elections and which parties doing what provocations and what's going on over that, however you pronounce it, island and whatever. But more simply, he's just looking at the size of the Chinese Navy. And he's mm -hmm. saying they are building up an invasion force. That's what this is. And the last time I talked to him, he said they already have a plan. They, they have their standards for their merchant marine. Make those boats, all of them virtually capable of being converted into troop transport vessels mm -hmm. in no time flat. And that they could just overwhelm Taiwan with, from their point of view, acceptable losses. And that Taiwan is not prepared to fight them off. And nor is America prepared to be able to get in there within firing range without getting their own asses shot off. Mm -hmm. So his point of view is it's a done deal. Forget about it. They might as well have already done it. There's <laughs> nothing we can do to stop it, but he's very concerned that it's going to happen soon. So, you know, I don't know, um, yeah. you know what you well, think about all that. Yeah, you know, we can agree to disagree. However, I want to just, uh, toss a couple flies in that ointment. Uh, the first is that, uh, um, you know, getting to Taiwan and, uh, you know, uh, waxing the local defenses is one thing. Occupying Taiwan and dealing with the international fallout is something else. Uh, the, uh, the standard rule of thumb is that, uh, you know, in a hostile territory, you want uh, a, a ratio of one soldier to uh, 20 uh, locals. And that for Taiwan would translate into a million Chinese troops, which would, would have to be supported across the strait. Uh, you know, with in in the in the face of U.S. Uh, hostility and attack, you'd also have a certain amount of uh, local um, resistance, and you'd also have the whole international uh, um, um, the whole international sanctions thing that the U.S. would cook up. I would also say that if the uh, Chinese invade Taiwan, I do not see the uh, U.S. Navy waving through those tankers that China is using to import hundreds of millions of barrels of Middle East oil a year to keep their economy going. So, you know, uh, invading uh, Taiwan, it could be done. I agree. But keeping Taiwan and handling the m immense uh, strategic and economic fallout of, uh, of a war with the United States uh, fought indirectly, mainly through economic reasons, means and uh, through proxies, is a totally different matter. So, mm -hmm. I think my my uh, mantra has always been that Taiwan is merely the anvil upon which the Chinese intend to break U.S. power, and when, once they do that in Asia, then Taiwan naturally 
uh, will fall completely within the uh, PRC orbit. So when, and, uh, well, but how do they do that? Just by, I mean, how do they, because when they have to they do that, don't they have to prove America that America gets, can't come and help them? Yeah, they get stronger. America gets weaker. You know, the, uh, the Chinese are continually trying to break down the, uh, uh, Philippines and, uh, uh, Japanese pro U S forces. And, uh, you know, also, you know, doing a massive uh, military buildup there, uh, is I think, you know, meant to convince the United States that, uh, you know, maybe it should just, uh, con- you know, withdraw, but, uh, that means the end of U S power globally, you know, t- China is the big one. And I think we'd uh, rather, uh, fight a war and crater the entire world than, uh, we would to just, uh, pick up our, uh, pick up our toys and withdraw to Hawaii. Yeah, man. You know, it was so clear that the high watermark of American power and influence in the world was in 2003 when W. Bush blew our entire wad in the sands of Iraq for nothing. (laughs) Right. It's all been downhill since then. What's even the point of any of this? And, you know, I don't know. What do you know about Taiwan? How much time have you spent there? How badly do these people want to be free and not subjects of the commies? And should we care about that or not, Peter? Oh, well, there's an interesting question. Actually, I uh, I lived in Taiwan for a year, but that was back in the day. And I haven't been back since 1976 when the uh, uh, when uh, Jiang Jingguo, Jiang Kai-shek's son, was still running the show there. But, um, you know, I would say that uh, uh, I agree with the polling, which is basically everybody wants a status quo now. I'm, uh, you know, mainland trade with mainland China accounts for 35% of Taiwan's imports and exports. It's, uh, you know, de facto, it's it's pretty tightly integrated with, uh, with the mainland. Everybody just wants to keep this thing rolling along. They don't want to be occupied by China. They don't want to fight a war with China. So that's why the new Presidente, you know, who's basically uh, uh, one of my new favorite terms, an Amboy, American uh, friend, um, Lai Qingde, he only got 40% of the vote. 60% of the vote went to uh, KMT and some other guy who, in his wisdom, decided he was going to split the uh, anti-DPP vote. So, you know, I'd say that, uh, you know, the uh, the there is no urge to withdraw, return to the bosom of the motherland, but there's uh, certainly a, a desire to suck at the teat of the motherland in terms of economic benefits and a nice peaceful existence. Mm-hmm. So now this guy, what's his name again, the new guy? Lai Qingde. And he's from the more right-wing, independence-minded party. Is there danger he's going to declare independence, which would be, I guess, the most obvious tripwire to start a war? No, they'll never do that. He's already said, uh, uh, I don't need to because Taiwan is already an independent, sovereign country. But, uh, you know, he's considered to be a, uh, you know, a uh, pro independence firebrand. And so, you know, his uh, thing will be to, you know, behave as a... uh, in, uh, as an independent state as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, I don't know if the transcript will read my sarcasm later, but I'm really, really afraid that China's going to take over some microchip factories. Peter, save me from that. Oh, please. Please. Okay, yeah. The uh, <laughs> uh, You know, all you have to do is fart in one of those clean rooms, and it's, it's useless. But uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, I can't really understand how people put out that canard. Uh, the main uh, the main threat would simply be that uh, you know uh, uh, 
the, Ta- uh, the Chinese would missile those factories and turn Taiwan into a strategic afterthought for everybody except the United States because they couldn't make the fancy chips anymore. But, um, you know, the chip factor is, uh, is uh, no longer a, uh, is no longer important. You know, it used to be that, uh, you know, they called the uh, TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Factories, the Silicon Shield of Taiwan because uh, nobody would uh, dare allow them to be invaded. But now TSMC is building factories in uh, Japan. They're building them in the uh, United States. They're talking about building another one in uh, somewhere in Europe. And at the same time, the Chinese are getting pretty good with their domestic chip uh, production. So that's mm-hmm. becoming a non-factor. Yeah. Advanced micro devices, they're still in Austin, right? Isn't that their entire existence is making yeah. microchips? Chips. Yeah. Well, it's really funny because, you know, the uh, they, uh, uh, TSMC specializes in the low nanometer chips and uh, Intel tried to make them and apparently completely screwed up their play. So uh, there is in the in the Westlands, there is a uh, reliance. If you want those teeny tiny chips, you pretty much have to go to TSMC. Huh. But, uh, you know, that's... Uh, it's a, it's a shrinking, it's a shrinking issue, I think. And like I said, with them building factories overseas, you know, it's, it's, uh, that was actually, I think done at the uh, insistence of the Pentagon, you know, to, uh, preserve our, uh, to secure our precious supply mm-hmm. chains. Hey, you guys, did you know that I don't just write books? I publish them. Well, the Institute does, and I'm the director. So yeah, 13 of them now, including my four. We published five more in 2023. Lori Calhoun and Tom Woods' books about the COVID regime, Joe Solis Mullen on the fake China threat, Jim Bovard's latest, Last Rights, and our managing editor, Keith Knight's Domestic Imperialism. And we've got more great titles coming in 2024. Check them out at libertarianinstitute.org slash books and help support our anti-government efforts at libertarianinstitute.org slash donate. And thank you. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, They're there for you, too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. When they used to call it a shield, I mean, it sounds like that was why they put them there in the first place, or or it's just the Taiwanese are so damn good at developing these chips is how they got there in the first place. Well, they got lucky, actually. The, uh, you know, contract chips was not a big thing when they started, but, uh, you know, because everybody built their chips in-house, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then, uh, you know, they rode the wave. They got a lot of support. Basically, a bunch of RCA guys moved over to China and uh, they got, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, there was no uh, export restrictions on shipping the stuff to Taiwan. And then uh, they have a massive first user advantage. I mean, they're I can't remember exactly what their budget is, but they're putting like $40 billion a year just into R&D over there. So uh, that's how they keep that first mover advantage going. I see. Um, but like you're saying, the point is moot now anyway, because they're replicating these factories for this very reason. So, okay, forget Tripwire. Uh, 
microchip factories back to the special forces. You know, we yep. got special forces, uh, or I don't know exactly who all, um, but we got, uh, I believe, I believe it's fair to say special operations forces in mm -hmm. Iraq and Syria right now. And we just saw some national guard soldiers killed mm -hmm. and we saw them serve as a tripwire for mm -hmm. further conflict is exactly what happened. So these soldiers on this island right here in this bay, it's so funny to look at the map and be like, oh, yeah, no, this is obviously, you know, where American soldiers belong. Um, is that really their purpose? There? I mean, I guess you said that this is just PR for the new president of Taiwan. I guess it's PR for Joe Biden, too. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, is that like if you zoom out a little bit from the the very present circumstances, is that really been their strategic so-called purpose there this whole time is that China won't dare move on Taiwan because they'd have to kill our guys first and they wouldn't want to pick that fight. Like I could see that if you're like a student of Wolstetter game theory or whatever, you go, well, they don't want to fight us. So we'll just stick our nose right in it and they'll back down. Well, but at the same time, that means that if they decide to go for it, we are in it because they just killed our guys, right? Well, let me tell you. Okay, I was tell thinking me. about this in our new Tower 22 world. You know, Thank quite you. frankly, the message of Tower 22 is, uh, you know, um, somebody zots as American guys. We do a limited uh, hangout uh, type of retaliation. It's sort of like that golden line with uh, the Houthis. You hear that with the Pentagon guy says, we're bombing the Houthis, but we're not at war with the Houthis. Right. So, you know, let's say, for instance, they slapped the the, uh, the the mainland, really decided they wanted to kick those guys out. And uh, they went in there and they took over uh, Jinmen, which would be pretty darn easy. You know, I think that the United States would, uh, uh, you know, come up with some sort of uh, direct or open or, uh, you know, covert uh, retaliation. But that's about it. The, uh, the reason that the Green Berets are on there is, uh, on Jinmen is because the Sea Dragon Special Forces are there. And uh, I don't, it used to be back in the day, way back in the day, when uh, Taiwan uh, military was stationed on Jinmen, it was a thing where you, where the, as an adventure, the guys would swim to the mainland and buy a movie ticket and bring the movie ticket back as a souvenir. So, uh, you know, the whole idea of the sea dragons is they're supposed to be operating down there, you know, threatening to sabotage, uh, you know, Chinese ships and, uh, you know, go out, go ashore and assassinate and do that sort of stuff. But that's basically pinprick stuff. You know, the main thing is that uh, the United States is now moving into uh, uh, training the Taiwan military in a big way. We not only supply arms, there's $108 million for training in Taiwan and also the Taiwan military is sending two battalions of, uh, of uh, troops to be trained in the United States. So that's really the context is that uh, the Taiwan military is notorious for being a box of strawberries, strawberries meaning guys who don't want to fight, who get easily bruised. And the whole idea behind this is we're going to toughen them up. And uh, that, as opposed to running special ops out of Jinmen, I think is the, is the purpose of this whole exercise. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, they'd be crazy to start running missions out of there with as easy as they'd get swatted down if it came down to it. And, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so it's Jinmen, but spelled with a K. So everybody go and look at that on your Google map and zoom in.
mm-hmm. and look at this island in this bay and imagine American special forces stationed there, Green Berets stationed there. Like our previous guest, Joe Kent, who fought Iraq War Two and Iraq War Three. You know, yeah. second tier special operations forces. But, you know, second tier yeah. is not that low compared to first tier. You know what I mean? They're capable folks. And certainly, just like with any of this stuff, if you put the shoe on the other foot, boy, would that be a problem. Better mm-hmm. not do that. Yeah. Well, the real action with special forces will be, you know, training guys to do gladio type of stuff and hanging yeah. around in the mountains after uh, after the PRC invades the uh, the main Taiwan island and, you know, going down and uh, doing all sorts of stuff like that. I got you. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. OK, so listen, in our last few minutes, can you take Kim's temperature for us here, man? What's up with that guy? Everything going to be OK? Don't worry about Kim Jong-un. Jeez. Um you know he's uh, he's just out there. Uh, you know he's he's just mourning the fact that he couldn't uh, get a peace deal with Trump. You know, uh, are we talking Kim Jong Un, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that old guy. Yeah, you know it's uh, you know they're they're doing what they're doing. The main thing is that the uh, United States has uh, thrown has a once in a lifetime opportunity of having a brain dead nut as president of the uh, Republic of Korea. That's South Korea. That guy Yun. And, uh, you know, he's extremely unpopular now and he's just, uh, you know, charging ahead to, uh, you know, his legacy is going to be, uh, uh, trying to put together a, um, an alliance with Japan and the United States, which is not very popular in Korea. And, uh, you know, it's the, uh, uh, I think that he's going to be voted out in a couple years if they don't get him out earlier. And, uh, then, uh, the temperature is going to drop there. So, well, I guess a lot's going to depend. War out there too much. Everybody's just posturing and cashing in. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you saw that uh, alarmist piece by uh, Carlin and Hecker, and I got reason to respect Hecker as the great Mm -hmm. expert on their nuclear program. Um, Our friend Tim Shorrock explained that Carlin is a former intelligence guy. Oh, for sure. They both have a pretty. you know, hawkish or, or maybe paranoid take on it, but they're seeing recent moves by Kim as really dangerous, and I don't know why. Okay. I'll pass on that one. I will yield to Tim Shork on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think you'd agree with how better, he summed yeah. it up on the show probably, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so a lot depends on whether the secret police are going to be able to prevent Trump from being elected again. Yeah, well, I don't think much is going to change over there. You know, uh, uh, the Pentagon is run by China Hawks. Uh, Indo-PACOM is basically an independent satrapy run out of Hawaii, and they're going to continue this uh, no matter what. Uh, how much time do I have left here? Yeah, a couple minutes. Go ahead. Okay, I just wanted to say one thing. That is to say the real fear of the United States is not that there'll be a blockade or that there'll be an invasion. It is that China will close the Taiwan Strait to foreign warships legally, which it can do under the UN Convention of the Law of the Sea. It, uh, I will quote here, um, in, uh, in the case of a mainland continental <clears throat> state with an island next to it, um, all ships and aircraft enjoy the right of transit passage, which shall not be impeded, except that if the strait is formed by an island of a state bordering the strait and its mainland, 
transit passage shall not apply if there exists seaward of the island a route through the high seas or through an exclusive economic zone of similar convenience with respect to navigational and hydrographical characteristics. Which is to say that if you accept that uh, Taiwan is part of China, which actually most countries in the world do outside of the G7, uh, then uh, Taiwan, uh, then Beijing could simply announce you know, we are exercising our prerogatives under the uh, UNCLOS, the UN Convention of the Law of the Sea, and we are closing the Taiwan Strait to foreign warships. Okay. And, what difference that would that really, really make, is, though? Because there is a wide open sea there between them and the Philippines anyway. So, And also, actually, and also the west, uh, the east coast of uh, Taiwan. That's the whole point. You know, they, the whole point is saying, you know, you want to get from point A to point B, don't go through our territorial sea. So, you know, the United States, that's why we always talk about trying to maintain the status quo instead of t telling China, don't do illegal stuff uh -huh. in the Taiwan Strait. But I'm saying, what difference does it make to the Americans if they have to go around Taiwan? Well, because <laughs> that means that it's just uh, a humiliation. Kind of ships. We're running ships through the Taiwan Strait every month to show that uh, we're deterring China and uh, not letting them operate in the right. Taiwan Strait on the other side of the median line. So, in other words, just state slash macho BS, right? Not any real strategic thing other than being humiliated and no longer being the boss of the strait. That's the whole point. Like to I no said, real though, previous end, though, other than keeping them from being the boss of the strait. Yeah, and also, you know, it, uh, it certainly would inconvenience uh, submarines are supposed to surface as they transit this strait under, those, under that theory. So, you know. That, uh, that means that uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, deterrent would be pushed off by another, you know, couple hundred miles. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to push it a little bit and, and go over because uh, I wanted to ask you another thing that I forgot earlier. But it's along the same lines of what we're talking about here, right? Is um, Sounds to me like the worst that could happen would be that China would retake Taiwan contrary to a lot of the paranoid stuff on the right about how they're going to be the next world empire and conquer everything mm -hmm. after America falls and all of that. Um, and I'm actually going to have an economist who knows a lot about China on the show a little bit later. Um, and I'm going to ask him about kind of what's going on with their economy now, but on a, broader than just the economy, but just the state of China itself. Do you think that they really are on the rise and in, in gaining power and influence throughout Asia? And they threaten all our island friends like Japan and the Philippines and and on from there. Or, you know, you already mentioned how dependent they are on foreign trade. It seems like they have a lot of problems. So I just wonder, I mean, I look at them like they're already an overextended empire that's collapsing just like ours is. But <laughs> maybe that's not right. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that the you know the uh, uh, the Chinese economy is going through a rough patch right now, uh, but uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, they uh, decided to deflate their real estate bubble, and also uh, you know they're uh, suffering through the United States trying to cut off their uh, access to uh, uh, to export their uh, high end goods. But I, I see this as a retrenchment period for China. And um, once they get their stuff sorted out, I think that, the, yeah, they will uh, be looking to expand their influence. All right. So, in other words, as a real threat to Vietnam, the Philippines, Japan, that kind of thing? 
Yeah, you know, they're still committed to, uh, you know, uh, expanding their influence through their uh, their economic ties. You know, the uh, basically uh, low end uh, Chinese manufacturing is moving to Vietnam and Mexico. And uh, so, you know, they're uh, they're pretty much uh, they're much uh, pretty much committed to that thing. They got a lot of uh, they're still a, a developing country domestically. You know, they don't uh, fighting a war simply means a, a drain on their economy and less things they can do internally. And uh, so I would say that their uh, their position is uh, they want to expand their uh, political and economic influence. A strong military is part of that. But uh, I don't think that their uh, economic model uh, sees uh, trying to fight wars and uh, occupy states as a benefit, as the road they want to go down. Yeah, can you imagine them all just sitting around at the Politburo there going, you know, W. Bush and Barack Obama and McCain and Biden, these guys are really smart. Look at what a great job they've done for America. We should really try to emulate that. Yeah, well, the best Chinese selling point is saying, look what the United States did in uh, screwing up Europe. Look what they're doing screwing up the Middle East. Do you really think that, uh, you know, they're going to get it right out here in Asia? And that is a big selling point for any uh, country in Asia that's uh, whose uh, politicians aren't under the thumb of a pro-U.S. military. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I better go. But thank you so much for coming back on the show. Great to talk to you again. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. All right, you guys. That is Peter Lee. He's the China hand. He's the SpaghettiO. You'll recognize him there, uh, our good friend on Twitter. And also find him on Patreon.com as well. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.